Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but please just call me Rachel. Today's episode is called Intentional Leadership with Margaret Smith. Margaret B. Smith is a career coach, educator, speaker, author, and the founder of UXL. Her clients share a desire to develop leadership and management skills, learn how to achieve their goals, and help others grow. She taps into her extensive business experience as she addresses contemporary workplace challenges. Margaret's recently published book, The 10-Minute Leadership Challenge, highlights 10 leadership behaviors that she experienced during her 30-year career in business leadership positions. She is an adjunct professor in the Center for Sales Innovation at St. Catherine University, a member of the National Association of Professional Women, International Women Leaders, and is cited as a leading new entrepreneur in Cambridge Who's Who, a nominee for the Women in Business Award from the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal, and Business Woman of the Year for the Stillwater Chamber. Welcome to the podcast, Margaret. It's so great to have you here. Thanks, Rachel, and and it's uh, good to be here. Yeah, I've known you for a few years now, and I just uh, cherish our relationship. I get the opportunity to be with you once a month, which is awesome. Thank you. It's it's always a pleasure, and the group that we have formed is so supportive and interesting that um, I really value that time together. Yes, and I love what you add to the group. You are so wise, insightful, and you just, uh, you know, you know so much about business and leadership. And so um, I'm excited to share you with the listeners today. So I'm wondering if you would start by talking about the story of starting your business. You know, what was your journey that got to you to where you are now? I've told this story so many times that I'm afraid that people that are listening may have heard it before, but just in <laughs> I case, haven't heard it. <laughs> okay. I love, I love to tell it. So cool. Um, I spent as, as um, anyone that has read my profile or looked me up on LinkedIn, seen my resume, um, spent time on my website, know that I have had close to 30 years of business experience, 27 of them with 3M, all in sales and marketing and business development roles. And Uh, My final job with the company in 2009 was integrating an acquisition that the company had made. Unfortunately, during that time, the economy made some major shifts and the integration plan that we had in place and the 45 people that were working on that with me that were with the new company that we had purchased were all informed that the integration plan was going to be abandoned and Mm -hmm. that we were all losing our jobs. And that that included me. Now, as the leader of of these people, my primary concern was them. And so I spent, oh, hours and hours on the phone with them, making sure they were okay, giving them guidance on finding other jobs within the company, et cetera, et cetera. And during that time, I honestly felt that I was not going to find a job within the company. The position that I was in, the level that I, I had the honor of being a part of, was being decreased dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so if I wanted to stay at that level, I really was um, going to have a hard time finding a job in the company. And when I came to that realization, 
I sat back for a moment and thought, I've had just amazing experiences here. I've traveled the world. I've led global teams. Um, just really, it was incredible. And I thought, I need to be able to use this to help other people have a much more fulfilling career. So I started first by uh, talking to other people that were doing things that I thought I might enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. They were consultants that I had worked with from outside of the company. And I asked them some simple questions. If you were to start today, what would your business look like? What would you not even consider doing? If you could start over again, what would you do that you're not doing today? And I, I kind of landed on this career coach um, space that I really thought I would add the most value and have the most fun doing. As I started to explore it, got a few clients, I recognized that I really needed to have some credentials to go along with it, okay. beyond, beyond just the business credentials that I had. So that's when I went to Coaches Training Institute. I found Insights Discovery as another tool I wanted to use. And from that, I launched. And you know, I, I just got one or two clients from a talk that I gave. And before I knew it, I had a full calendar of clients. I had speaking opportunities. And then I decided to write my book. Because oh, cool. through this, I realized how important the role models that you had in your life, in your life, throughout your career, how much they shaped who you are, how you treat other people in work, and just really the how part of, of the work that you do. That is and, so true. Yeah. And I, I really felt like I needed to take the best of my experiences in different categories and write about it. Mm -hmm. And as I started to tell my story and I was working with someone who was going to help me write my book and kind of download my brain in a way, um, I just sat with her Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and told stories. And oh, she, wow. pulled, she pulled them into 10 categories. And that's, and then I said, I don't want this to be a boring leadership book. I've read <laughs> many that put me to sleep in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You know, how can I, how can I make this something that in 10 minutes, someone gets a little nugget of a practical suggestion, an idea of something that they could do differently, do better, have a different perspective, maybe honor and appreciate something that they already do really well or that someone around them does well. And so that's where the 10 minute leadership challenge um, framework came from 10 chapters, 10 leadership behaviors. Each chapter takes 10 minutes to read. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Sounds like a lot of goodness in a somewhat <laughs> short book, you know, not too overwhelming, but I like books like that, that, um, you know, I haven't read it yet, but now you have me intrigued. <laughs> you know, especially as I'm stepping more and more into leadership, um, you know, I've had to kind of look at how I'm leading, how I'm feeling and mm -hmm. things like that. And I think that is so important because, you know, I've, I've experienced great leaders and I've experienced really bad ones. And yeah. um, I think it's such a huge, an important thing to be talking about because I, you know, and I don't think, you know, people have said, oh, corporate and this, but I think it's just in so many different institutional settings. I mean, and even mm -hmm. in our own homes, you know, how are we leading yeah. our families and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I would, I would wonder, you know, your book probably doesn't apply just to business. No, it absolutely doesn't because there's just a lot of little 
personal takeaways as well. And you're absolutely right. You know, sometimes we we treat the people that we're closest to personally worse than we treat the people that we work for. Yeah. With. Yeah, that's true. Like we kind of can wear a mask out into the world. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear about some of the leadership behaviors you talk about the book. Would you share some of those with us? Sure. Uh, I'll pick five that I think uh, the people that are listening would be most interested in hearing about. And the first one is authenticity. Okay. Because if you really don't approach your leadership style with authenticity, people can very, very quickly read through the the false person that you are trying to be. Mm -hmm. And, but what goes with that is really having a deeper understanding of yourself. So I would suggest, and I recommend this in this chapter on authenticity as well, that one of the first things that you have to do is to, or that you should do, no one has to do anything, but you should do is take some sort of an assessment that, Mm -hmm. that reveals for you some things that you may not, have noticed about yourself. They can show you some blind spots. They also can reaffirm some things that you are already exceptional in. And it could be Strengths Finder, which is a very inexpensive tool okay. to use. It can be Myers Briggs, the one that I've chosen to use with the people that I coach and also with teams and organizations that I work with is Insights Discovery. Okay. And that I've selected insights is that it's one that I believe is the easiest for an organization to remember. It's fun. It, mm. um, and it also, I think it has the most um, longevity within an organization because of, of the ease with which you can implement. So consequently, that's what I use with all of my coaching clients provided that they don't already have something and or with the new organization that I'm beginning to work with. Okay. I recommend insights to them. Now, the reason that authenticity is so important is that you really, sometimes it takes a lot of courage to be who you really are and Mm -hmm. not just be like your boss. Right. And it also takes a lot of courage to modify your behavior in order to really connect better with people that are different than you. And many times we only think about diversity based on what we can see, whether that be age gender, ethnicity, you name it. But there is that diversity of thought, the way we process information, our communication style, the things that motivate me are different than the things that motivate you. And yet if I thought that we were both motivated by the exact same things, I might get really frustrated because all the things that I was offering to you or enticing you with or throwing out there is carrots, let's say, and you didn't bite on any of them, Mm -hmm. I might think that you were lazy or that you really didn't care. And in reality, those aren't the things that are important to you. Right. Yeah. I I need to take the time and it does take time to get to know the people, whether that be my peers or the people that work for me. We all get so wrapped up in the work that we're doing and the action that we're taking that sometimes we don't sit long enough with an individual and look them in the eye and just ask them about themselves Mm -hmm. and about their life and what do they value the most and what do they want out of their career? Because we don't all want the same thing. Yeah. And how can you help them get that? What did they need in order to succeed? And once you know those things about them, then you can start to line them up for success. And with that comes yours. 
Mm-hmm. But until you, until you are willing to break down those barriers, until you're maybe in some ways um, allow yourself to be a little transparent and vulnerable, your authenticity as a leader and your openness to their authenticity um, will just, it, it will be hidden behind other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, you know, as leaders, if we're willing to be authentic, it, get, it provides the space for the people around us to be too. Right. Right. And so uh, authenticity is kind of a word that's thrown out there a lot. How, how would you just describe kind of what that means in a kind of in a workplace setting? To show your human side. Um, there's a, a really interesting story and, and there's many YouTube videos. Um, Bill George, who used to be the um, CEO of Medtronic, tells a story. He wrote a book called Authentic Leadership. Oh, okay. And, and, um, and Your True North. And he's done a lot of work on authentic leadership. Anyway, I was listening to him one day and he told me, or he told this group, he wasn't just talking to me, that would have been really nice, but <laughs> he was talking to a large group of people. Yeah. And he told the story about how he thought he was being authentic by sharing on a quarterly basis, all of the, or as much financial information, results, and things he was really proud that the company was accomplishing with the employees every quarter. And so he would send out this great email with all this detail in it. And he was really excited and, and thought that that was a way of being super transparent as a leader, that he was willing to share all this information. Okay. And then his wife, got, his wife got very, very sick. And he decided to just take some time off and spend with her and, um, and focus on what was really important to him. So he sent an email out to the entire organization and told everyone that he might not be as accessible as he had been in the past. And this was the reason why and explained what was going on with his wife. He got an inordinate number of emails from people wishing him well, wishing her well, telling him how much they appreciated him sharing that, um, telling them personal stories, giving him support and offering to help. And he said, for a couple of years, I was sending out that other email with all that wonderful data I thought that I should be sharing. And I never got a return email from oh. anyone. <laughs> and here I just yeah. revealed the human side of me and what I was going to do differently because I needed to take care of somebody that was really important to me. And all of a sudden, these people saw me as a human being. Mm -hmm. And he said, I realized that I needed to do more of that. Oh, I and love that. Yeah, it really, it really showed me that once he no longer was the CEO and maybe untouchable to the average man with things going on in his life that were just like things that were going on in our life. Right. All of a sudden we saw him as the human being that he was. And because he was willing to reveal that vulnerability to us, Mm -hmm. Now, we were willing to show some vulnerability to him. And all of a sudden, he saw that there were X thousands of, of human beings that were working for him and not just robots, all mm -hmm. working towards a common financial goal that they had. Yeah. So I, I think that that's part of it is to show the human side of you and be curious yeah. enough about the humanness and the people that work with you. 
Yeah, that's a great example. I've, you know, I've, in the academic setting, I remember having this feeling like, um, you know, there's just such a, there were, at least my experience, I won't, I don't want to generalize or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But my experience was just a lack of this personal connection, you know, kind of like I graduated and I, I don't have any connection with the professors. You know, I would, I wish there was more of a relationship, like people wanted to keep that human relationship. I actually like kind of grieve those um, Mm -hmm. connections that I had from different points in my life. Um, But, you know, it wasn't kind of this mutual, let's stay in touch or like, I don't know. And I, I I guess I, I don't know if I value relationships more than maybe other people in in a setting like that or, or what, but um, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think, do you think that's weird of me? (laughs) No, No, actually it's kind of interesting because what I'm hearing more and more because of technology and how it's changing the way we communicate, Mm -hmm. that we are losing that personal connection because we're texting each other instead of picking up the phone or meeting each other to have a cup of coffee or whatever. And Mm -hmm. we're not talking to each other as much. And we're certainly not spending as much face-to-face time as we used to. There's technology that's always in the way. Oh, yeah. And then I think probably the ability to work from home. We're not around our our coworkers. Yeah. And more and more people are choosing that. And they think that it's wonderful. Well, it is wonderful because maybe you can get other things done and maybe you can work in privacy so you feel like you're more effective or Mm -hmm. um, more productive. But that we are human beings and we do need, need human contact. And, and not only that, but if we don't practice how to communicate face-to-face, we lose our ability to do it very well. Yeah. And when all of a sudden you don't have the um, screen, let's say, of texting, like there are things that you would say in a text that if you were looking somebody in the eye, you would never say. Mm-hmm. You might say it in a different way. You might ask yeah. some questions. Oh, you might, right. You know, just last night I was with um, my book group and one of the women was telling a story of her, her daughter got a text from another mother who made some comment about her son um, doing something on the playground to hit her son. And the way she worded it was like, just really rude and mean. Yeah. And we were talking about if she were to have picked up the phone or if they met the next day after they dropped their kids off at school to talk about it, do you think that you would have said the same things the same way if you were looking at the person in the eye? Now, that doesn't mean that Minnesota nice is good either because sometimes that can also not be very effective. Mm-hmm. We have to. We have to be willing to have those courageous conversations. Oh yes. But if you're looking someone in the eye, you will think about the way you say something, um, so that you're not as hurtful or um, just downright mean. Yeah, and I think we have to be careful, you know, or, or aware of how it could be received too. Absolutely, as we're, as we're writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because um, vocal inflection and body language are huge portions. They're ninety three percent of communication. Mm-hmm. And so when you're you're when you're on a screen, 
and all you've got is the little teeny screen on your phone or the bigger one on your computer, you're missing 93% of communication is all left up to the eye of the beholder. They yeah. don't know what, how hard you were pounding those keys, um, what the look on your face was when you were hitting the send button. Right. Yeah. So exactly. um, you need to be aware of that as you're sending off those emails or texts. Yeah. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. The next one that I think is really relevant and especially in today's world is balancing your head and your heart. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people get scared when I start talking about your heart at work. This isn't really about being that vulnerable and this has nothing to do with love. It does have to do with just, you know, being respectful and kind and considerate and generous to the people sitting on either side of you or behind or in front of you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what it really has to do with is your head goes into making good, rational business decisions. You use good data. You use your experience, your wisdom, your knowledge. You use the resources around you to tap into and get more information and collaborate. And you use your head for all of that. But are you also using your heart? So it isn't just about the actions that we're taking, but we're thinking through those actions so we know, number one, how to communicate them effectively so that other people get inspired, motivated, and excited to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. But are we also bringing our heart into it because we're thinking beyond just the completion of the task and how the people involved, whether they're impacted by it, um, uh, affected by it, a part of it, um, whatever their role is in the end product that you're working on, how, if we're thinking about the people through that whole process, that's really where the heart comes in. Mm -hmm. So we can all get a lot of stuff done, but if we just, again, you know, hit that send button or write that, write that note to everybody, that directive, and we haven't really thought about how the people around us are going to be impacted by it, we've really left our heart behind. Right. That's, you know, uh, that's the one I like to, to bring up because a lot of times we don't think about um, how much we need to demonstrate compassion to the people around us. Yeah, that's so true. Now, the other part of that is we don't want to be taken advantage of. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes when we lead with compassion, we all know that there are people in our work environment that maybe show up late and more than just, you know, the, a minute late consistently, like mm-hmm. an hour, a half an hour to an hour late every morning, or maybe they mis- they miraculously disappear at three thirty, and everybody else stays until five mm-hmm. or they take really long lunches. And it isn't just once or twice, but it's repeatedly. And as a leader, you need to nip that bad behavior in the butt right away and have a conversation, but you need to do it with compassion. Mm-hmm. I've noticed over the past two weeks that you've repeatedly been coming into work at 8.15 and you know that our workday starts at 7.35. Help me understand what is preventing you from being here on time. Mm-hmm. Dude, we don't know what's going on in people's lives. This person could have an ill parent that they're taking care of and they just can't get out of the house early enough. Or um, their, their, their mother has been taking care of their child for the past three years. And now all of a sudden their mother's been diagnosed 
with some disease and can't watch the kids anymore. And their babysitter can't show up until eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. And they were trying really hard to just make sure that they could make it up during the day and they didn't tell anybody about it. Well, now you know. Right. And now you can choose to either say something like, um, what help do you need in finding the support that you need for your children so that you can get here on time and you don't have to be this stressed out and rushing around? You know, how can we help you with that? Or you can say, would it be easier if we changed your work for a little while so that you didn't need to be here at 7.30 in the morning, but you needed to be here at 8.30 and someone else take over that portion of your work for you for the next six weeks or however long it might take your mother to to recover Mm -hmm. or you find an alternative. Work with that person, showing compassion and understanding but also making sure that you're clear around what the expectations are. Yeah. Because if you just if you're afraid to have that conversation, if you're afraid to bring it up, the other people that are around you that work for you, number one, are going to think that you're a wimpy leader. Why is she able to get away with this and we're not? Mm-hmm. They'll start to resent you for not taking care of the issue. Right. And they'll make it worse than it is right now. So maybe there's a little bit of courage in that too, but yeah. there are ways there are ways to have that conversation that don't that are much more respectful and compassionate than just say I noticed that you've been late for the past couple of weeks. What the heck's going on? You need to be on time tomorrow. Yeah, and we hear that kind of behavior and talk all the time. Oh, Do that, wow. you know you've been late three times this week. If that happens one more time, you're going to get written up. Mm-hmm. Well, you know it's going to happen again especially if the circumstances that I just described are the reality. Right. And then you're going to have to face the fact that you're going to have to let them go because that's what you threatened them with or whatever the punishment was that you said that you you were going to follow through on. And and now you just put yourself in a worse situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it sounds like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think about leadership historically where it's maybe more dominating and things, but there's like a, there's a better way in integrating that compassion and then also balancing that with, with boundaries and um, good communication. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think there, there is always a time for, for direct um, more of that. I would, I hate to use the words command and control, but there are times when we need to be very specific about what we need done, when mm-hmm. it needs to be done by, and who's going to do it. Yeah. And people, people thrive when they're given the right and clear direction. But we also, you know, need to balance that with um, a better understanding of the people. So you're giving the right work to the right people as well. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So I'm loving our conversation, Margaret, but we're going to take a moment here for a commercial and we will have more with Margaret when we return. 
Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back. You are listening to Rev with Rachel. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but you can call me Rachel. Today I am speaking with Margaret Smith, career coach, speaker, and author. Margaret, you've been sharing such good content with us. We were talking about authenticity and then balancing head and heart. Um, What other leadership behaviors would you like to share with us? The next one that I thought was, was really relevant was demonstrating loyalty. That's one of the chapters in the book. And the tagline with that um, is what you give is what you get. And the real premise for all of that is that if people know that you have their back, you um, will, you know, maybe you have that sign on your desk that says the buck stops here. If you're not a blamer, that doesn't mean that you have to take full responsibility for every single mistake that takes place, but you need to ask the right questions and probe effectively to find out what mistake was made and how it was made so that it can be corrected or not ever done again. But if you, if you are a blamer, if you put people on the spot, if you are much more willing or, or more consistently um, make it someone else's problem versus your own, then you reduce the amount of courage or the willingness to take risks of the rest of the organization. Mm -hmm. So, um, and also I think that it's important to give positive feedback, to recognize people for, for doing something that um, it doesn't have to be exceptional, but just something that you're really proud of them for, or a time when they demonstrated a behavior that you're really grateful for, or an area that you know that they've been working on to improve. Mm-hmm. And to be as specific as you possibly can, because if you just say that you did a really nice job today, that may not be good enough. Mm-hmm. You may need to say, Jim, I was really excited to see you do blah, 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 because I know how much you've been working on improving in that area. Keep oh, doing I like it. that. Yeah. So, so you know exactly what it is that you, that you noticed. Um, they know exactly what it is that they need to keep doing. And the same thing goes if, if there's an area that they still need to improve on to be as specific as possible. But I can remember um, back to my days as a sales rep and my boss would come and work with me and I was in central Pennsylvania and he would come from New York and work with me for two days and he would get out of the car at the end of the day. And I'd say, well, is there anything that I need to be doing differently or that I could improve on? And typically he would say something like, no, Margaret, you're doing a great job. Just keep, just keep doing what you're doing. And -hmm. I'd get in his car and drive away. And I'd be sitting there thinking, these weren't even two really good days. (laughs) These weren't the best days that I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Is this that I have to be? Because this is what he observed and said it was really good. Okay. Dummying me down in a way, if that's possible. Oh, Okay. Making it okay for me to not be my best. 
because he hadn't even seen my best and yet said that was really good. Yeah. What I've really preferred is for him to say something like, and maybe after each call that we made, Margaret, here's what I really thought you were doing well there. You asked a really great question, or I love the way you responded to the question that that particular engineer had of you, or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, you noticed something in that account that I, I didn't even notice. Yeah. You made a great suggestion by pointing out those specific things. Um, then I knew what in the sales call or the visit with the customer or the plant tour that we got, I was doing really well. And there could have been, you know, 150 other things in that particular day that I should have been doing a little bit differently, Mm. but to just generalize that it was all great. I knew it wasn't. Mm. And so I, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I lost respect for him, but my expectations of what I was going, how I was going to benefit the next time he was with me was definitely, I didn't expect anything. Okay. Yeah. I can, the way you were restating that, I mean, that's such powerful communication and leadership and, you know, we're not taught that really. Yeah. I mean, where do we learn that? Yeah. It's, I mean, a lot of us wait until we're adults and, you know, figure out things aren't working. Maybe we're like 50, 55 before yeah. we're willing to kind of say, okay, what's going on? But wow. what if we were taught this at a younger age in high school, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I think it would be great if we were taught it, but if we don't actually have the opportunity to apply it or experience it because we're involved in a, in an environment where we have a leader or, you know, someone that we're reporting to who might be our supervisor. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have the actual opportunity to, to apply it. And, you know, even like you could take a course in Excel for your computer to learn how to do better spreadsheets or something. But if you go home and it's six months later that now you have to do one, you need to take the manual out and start all over again. Right. It's the same way with leadership. And that's why I Mm. wrote my book the way that it is, because I don't want you to do 10 things. I don't want you to read every chapter and think of 10 things you need to do differently. I want you to think of three, just three things that you're going to work on Mm. because our brains, our minds, and our ability to really focus on more than three things is a pipe dream. Yeah. We can focus on three things. We can do take three actions like ready, set, go. Um, we can pay attention to three things, but beyond that, the list is too long and it will be daunting and overwhelming and we won't get it done. Yeah, I can see that. And when you were mentioning demonstrating loyalty in the tagline, um, we had talked briefly about the golden rule. Can you share what you were saying about the golden rule? Sure. You know, the typical golden rule is to treat people the way you, um, that you would want to be treated, right? Yeah. But, but. Um, I heard once from someone, the platinum rule was, which is to treat people the way they want to be treated. And that again, it gets, touches a little bit on authenticity because you need to know enough about the people around you to know how they want to be treated. Right. Again, knowing what inspires and motivates them, what values they might have. Um, and, and also to better understand the skills and strengths that they have uh-huh. so that you and, and their, their style so that you can modify the way you approach them 
and what you give to them in order for them to thrive. Right. I think that's so important. And I love that, the platinum rule. Thank you. I, that's going to change my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it'll change your weekend, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to put that into my awareness, you know. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Good. So do you have a couple more to share? Just one more. Okay. Um, Because I don't want to steal the whole book. They should go to Amazon and get one. Um, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But building community, I think, is the last one that I want to touch on. And many times we think of community, we think of where we live and um, the people that are our neighbors or our religious community or, you know, another group of people that we have um, some common um, bond with. Right. And, and it, is, it is all of those things. Um, but it also is, in the, in the work environment, it is understanding the, um, all the resources that might be available to you. Understanding where to go for information, knowledge, and other experiences that could, could benefit either the project that you're working on, the team that you're working with, um, the, could help you achieve a goal because they have a different perspective mm-hmm. and people love to be asked. That's the one thing that I've learned, no matter how high in the organization somebody is. And, and, you know, there's that adage where, um, oh, I'm going to forget it, but it's lonely at the top. That's the one I was thinking of. It's mm-hmm. lonely at the top. And it really is true. The people that are sitting in the in the C-suites feel like they have no friends. Oh, you know, like people don't just stop in and off, you know, say, Hey, would you want to grab a cup of coffee? Mm -hmm. Because we always think the CEO is too busy to just have a casual conversation with us or to, for us to ask them a question. Yeah. And what I have found when I reach out to someone that is in a pretty high level in an organization and just ask if they've got 15 minutes and I usually don't ask for more than that, but I end up taking more than that. I don't take it out of disrespect. It just seems like we're having such a good conversation that they don't kick me out of their office. Yeah. Um, but when I ask them if I could just, you know, pick their brain on, um, on an experience that they had with such and such that I found that intriguing and I'd like to know more. They love to talk mm. just like we love to talk. Yeah. And then they feel um, like, wow, all these things that I've done in my life are, you know, somebody's actually interested in learning more about them. Yeah. And they get excited to be able to share their experience and their wisdom with you. So you should never be afraid, no matter what someone's title is, to just reach out to have a casual conversation with them or to you have to make it worth their while, you know, that there has to be some value in it. Um, but most of the time they're very willing to help. Oh, cool. That's great. Yeah. So that's my, that's my building community one. Be open, connect with others, um, follow through. If you say you're going to do something, make sure that you, you, you do what you say. Yeah. Integrity. Yeah. Yeah. So just to kind of go back to the beginning, Rachel, as we start to wrap this up, you know, we titled this intentional leadership. Yeah. That was my next question. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading your mind. Yes. Um, um, You know, we, many times we say you need to set an intention. And when you set an intention, whether you say it out loud 
or, or you really do at the beginning of a day or at the beginning of a week, and now we're at the beginning of this year, and we talk about resolutions, I, I like to think of them as intentions. Because mm -hmm. if we set an intention, um, it's, much, uh, it's a much bigger commitment. And you're not going to be a great leader unless you do it intentionally. Mm, right. If you really make an effort that you pick the one, the two, the three things that you're going to do that may, will make a difference to the people around you, and you'll be astounded at the difference that that makes in you and what you're able to get accomplished um, and how much more satisfying it is for them and ultimately for you, how much more fun it will be, how much easier it will feel. It won't feel like work, mm -hmm. but you do need to be intentional. Um, a, a good way to demonstrate how challenging being intentional is, if you were to fold your arms you know, like when you fold them across your chest, yeah. Um, the way you normally do. And we all have a hand position that is most comfortable. And when we fold our arms, that's the way we do it without even thinking about it. And now try to move them so your other arm is on top. Right. <laughs> that's tricky. Really I was doing awkward. that as you were talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it feels really awkward and you have to really think about it because it doesn't, you, you know, you can't, just do it without like really thinking about where your arm needs to go. Yeah. Where your hand rests. And, um, and if we stood here or sat here long enough talking, I would just naturally without even thinking about it, my arms would go back to the way they're more comfortable. Oh, okay. So it's, we have to think about the things that we want to do differently as it relates to leadership or anything in our lives with that level of intention to really think about it think how we do it. It's going to feel really weird mm -hmm. until it becomes a habit. And once we've done it enough and we become really comfortable with it and we start to see the rewards from having done it differently, then it will just become easier and easier to do without even thinking about it. Right. I like that. Yeah. I mean, you speak so much about, you know, raising awareness about how we're showing up and, the, what are the words we're speaking? How are we communicating? Are we thinking of others? Um, I love what you're speaking of today. Thank you. And before you wrap up, would you just speak briefly on, you mentioned the assessment insights. Um, mm -hmm. Just share a little about what that is and um, you know how you think it, it benefits organizations. Sure. Um, Insights Discovery is an assessment tool, a personality and communication style assessment tool that um, starts with a 25-question online assessment. And from that, it takes about 30 minutes to do. From that, um, you receive a 22-page profile. It's very easy to read. And it's all, it uses the Jungian principles that most of us are, are familiar with to define, not, I shouldn't use the word define, but describe your strengths, your weaknesses, or possible weaknesses, your blind spots, your communication style, the value are, that you are to the team that you work with, what motivates you, your management style, um, how you motivate others, what your ideal environment is so it helps you better understand the work space that you need to be in in order to flourish, um, mm -hmm. the work style that you have. Um, and, and then it also talks about 
uh, gives you some questions uh, to ask during an interview of a position to make sure that it is a job that you're going to be able to thrive at or that the environment and culture is one where um, you'll be able to grow. Oh, I like that. Challenged. And then it also plots you on a wheel so you can see where you are in relationship to other people. So it helps you determine what your opposites might be, um, what is different about the way they process information and communicate that now gives you the ability to make some changes in your approach to them and your style when interacting with them so that you both have a much more satisfying interaction and relationship. As a leader, well, yes, as, as a leader or a supervisor of people, um, when I'm working with a leader and we do their entire team, let's say, um, it gives them a renewed appreciation for the different um, styles around the table. And consequently, they, the, the leader and all the people around the table um, see each other in a different light. Oh, cool. Um, maybe some of the mystery surrounding a particular person goes away. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate them more. I assign them more um, appropriate assignments. Um, maybe I challenge them in a new way. Maybe I just talk to them differently. And so it helps you as a leader bring out the best in yourself and also the best in the people around you. It, it um, adds to greater employee engagement. Mm -hmm. um, retention can improve because now people feel like he just gets me. He understands me. Um, and also, I've worked with many teams that were really struggling to be productive and get their work done. And after doing insights discovery with them, uh, the team is just clicking. Oh, cool. They know what's expected of them. Their, their assignments as part of the project that they're working on are better aligned. Uh, there's just more respectful talk. Yeah. Each person is described using colors. So um, I lead with yellow. My second um, leading color energy is green. And then red is next and blue. So if I were to walk into a room of other people that had done insights and they asked me, Margaret, what color do you lead with? And I said yellow. They would all know what to expect from me. Mm -hmm. But they may actually say, you know, for this meeting, Margaret, we all agreed that we are going to really tap into our blue energy. I know exactly what I need to do to dial back my yellow and dial up my blue, even though it is not in my sweet spot. That was my lowest, if you remember the order that I just gave. Uh -huh. So consequently, I know how at that particular um, meeting or interaction, I need to behave differently in order for me to be the most value to the people in that room mm -hmm. and to not be I just love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see where it would just provide so many insights for people and, you know, no, mm -hmm. I'm not surprised it's called insights. <laughs> I had the opportunity of experiencing it. Um, I think I did, was it called a deeper discovery? Yes, that you, I did? Yes, you did deeper discovery, yeah. which is much more focused on the individual okay. where, discovery, just general insights discovery is focused on you, but then also your interaction with other people. Okay. I mean, I just love it because I, I enjoy Jungian archetypes and uh, looking yeah. into that. But I, I remember one of them for me was uh, something I was stepping into was the alchemist. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of about that power of transformation and change and change. And you were going through some huge tra- transitions. Oh yes. Yeah. And it, I mean, it fascinated me we, that like such a brief questionnaire could be so spot on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Most of the time when people get their profile and they read even just the very beginning, the overview section, the look on their faces is how did they figure this out from 25 questions? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's cool. I love it. I love what you're doing out in the world, Margaret. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And, and, and I commend you for all that you're contributing to this world as well, Rachel. Oh, thank you. Great things. Thank you. And I would love for our listeners to connect with you if they would love more information about what you teach or your coaching or speaking, um, your workshops. So how would you like for them to do that? The easiest place to go to to get everything, whether it's to buy my book, because it'll, there's a link to um, Amazon where you can you can buy it either in an ebook um, or in a paperback. Um, there is also on my website under the book there is a prioritization tool so you can take this little assessment and determine of the ten leadership attributes where should you start. Okay. There's also um, links to any upcoming workshops, whether that be a cohort that I'm leading, um, a talk that I'm giving in an open forum at some public event, or um, another Insights Deeper Discovery workshop that's coming up in April. All the links are there to be able to sign up or to search for more information. And my website is www.youexcelnow.com. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Margaret. You're welcome, Rachel. Have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Hey, listeners, my new book, Radiantly Free, Recreating Life and Health from the Radiance of You, is now on Amazon. Chapter by chapter, this book helps you to free yourself, free your soul, free others, free your godly potential. My hope is that it speaks to your soul and helps you heal and become free from the inside out. And you can also check out my app. It's free to download in the Apple and Android stores. And you can also subscribe for more features that support you in your radiant growth. Information for that is at www.rachelapp.com. If you'd like more information about my favorite tools for transformation and radiance, go to my website, www.drrachelw.com. Enter your name and email, and I will send you Rachel's Nine Happiness and Healing Essentials. With that, remember to rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love. This is the EWN Podcast Network.